okay, you know what? Like, let's just try it out. Like, what if it works? And then we knock on the door. We're like, we don't see an Assyrian flag or anything. Like, we got scared. I said, I don't see any sign of Assyrians. Let's leave. (laughs) Yeah, we see nothing. So we're like, okay, let's just knock, get it over with. We knock. And honestly, that was the beginning of something new. And I'm really grateful for it. Shalama everyone and welcome to episode 179 of the Assyrian podcast. My name is Adessa and for today's episode, I wanted to try out a different format than what you're used to. Instead of hearing extensively about one person's life and experiences, you're going to hear from different people about a specific topic. What does it mean to be a contributing member of a society or nation? As someone who has been involved with Assyrian organizations for the past 15 years, it's left me with a bag of mixed emotions. There's times I've been hopeful for the future and other times where I've been burnt out and seen efforts get nowhere. This conflict I've sometimes felt has brought me to this question of why and how people give of their time or resources for the advancement of a cause. My hope for this episode is that by hearing others why, your flame can either be reignited or if you've been feeling some of the ambivalence I mentioned or if you've never had any involvement, that you're inspired to begin in whatever way works for you. In this episode, you'll hear from the perspectives of Gen Zs who've decided to get involved, how someone has taken their talent and used it to contribute to local Assyrian organizations, a couple that has dedicated not only their time, but their physical space, someone who has dedicated an alternative way to give in substitute of their limited free time, and an Assyrian leader who has been in leadership really since I was a kid, and what has inspired them to get involved. This episode is brought to you by all of us at the Assyrian Podcast. If you want to join us as a co-host, nominate someone to be our next guest, or find out how to sponsor one of our episodes or seasons, check us out at AssyrianPodcast.com. I hope you enjoy this episode. Ah, volunteerism. It always feels like that one last thing that we have time for. I mean, think of all the times you've thought or said, I'm too busy. You likely are. I mean, who among us isn't? Juggling multiple responsibilities can be hard, and we often find ourselves in a place where whatever time we have left, we dedicate to some sort of self-care to help us remain sane. However, for Assyrians, volunteering can sometimes feel more necessary than optional. This obligation or duty to keep our communities tight-knit, to allow us to grow closely within our heritage, and to know one another, to have your tashkalta or give and take with each other. If there is a part of you that craves that connection, then there's bound to be some type of involvement with a local organization. Most of the organizations run and operate through volunteers who usually serve in official positions, within a limited time frame, or in an unofficial capacity on an as-needed basis. There are typically bylaws created and adhered to that make the organization run effectively. I spoke to a local couple here in Hamilton, Canada, Rami Nouri and Melissa Farhad, where Melissa currently holds two leadership positions for two different local organizations, and Rami also holds a leadership position at a local organization. I wanted to learn about what started and inspired their involvement in the Assyrian community. My name is Raman Nouri. Most people know me as Rami, and I live in Hamilton, Ontario. I was born in Kuwait. 
both parents originally from uh, Assyrians from Iran. My dad moved to Iraq when he was young to work. And then from Iraq, we moved to Kuwait for uh, just for working. And we moved to Canada in 1988. I've been living in Hamilton since then. Uh, hi, my name is Melissa Farhat. I moved to Hamilton, Ontario from Germany about 13 years ago. Um, both my parents are Assyrians from Iran, from Urmi. So for me, it began not at a such young uh, early age. My parents, I mean, they were always umtanaya and taught us who we were and had the Assyrian pride. But the early parts of even like early high school, there wasn't really a sense of involvement from my side. It seemed like it started to develop at the end of high school when I became a little bit more independent, started attending more Assyrian functions. We had uh, Assyrian Society of Canada, which is located in Mississauga. Parents would always take us for parties and stuff. So that kind of, I guess, kept the uh, flame lit all along. It never extinguished because there was that type of involvement. And we made friends and became part of the Assyrian community in that sense. Of course, we always attended the church as well. So it, it seems like it was always on the back burner. So the older I got, you get a little more independent. You know, you get your own car. You start making plans with your friends. And that's when I started noticing that I was making more plans with my Assyrian friends. And we started doing more Assyrian-related activities with my Assyrian friends and became a bigger part of the community that already existed. And things develop from there. You know, there's you get to youth groups and student organizations and you, and you become volunteer at events, which leads to you becoming part of a, an organization and then a board and you become a leader of an organization. You know, our parents never pushed us into the Assyrian cause or activism or things like that. However, a major favor they did for us was they kept us involved in the Assyrian community. I think that's a big thing. Had we not been involved and attending all, all these Assyrian functions, I think we would never have, they would never have taken the next stage. So I think the fact that they, they never pushed us, but we attended most parties and we went to the churches and all the events. And then it kind of, the, the next stage kind of becomes, you know, personal to you. You know, are you going to de develop it into something that you're interested in and putting effort in? Or is it just going to be, I'll just attend these parties and that's my sense of involvement. And there's different people and for serving different causes. Now for Melissa, it was a little bit different because she got married to Rami and moved from Germany to Canada. And so her earlier experiences stem around her and her family living about an hour away from Wiesbaden. Wiesbaden being an area where a lot of Assyrians live in Germany. So for me, it was very similar at in Germany, it's a much smaller Assyrian community. We were a good hour or something away. My parents did try to to make sure that we know the Assyrian, our Assyrian roots in taking us to the events, to the parties, to the to the church every once in a while, just because we were so far away. So I wasn't involved much as as a as a younger person. For me, it turned. Definitely when I moved here to Canada, just coming here by myself, leaving the family behind, coming here by myself to get married and then meeting his group of friends, which was mostly Assyrian. And then seeing the larger Assyrian community here just did it. I wanted to be involved. I wanted, I wanted to do 
all the things that they were telling me about the mm. ones that that I didn't have a chance to do as a as a younger person as a teenager and I wanted to make sure that I'm able to provide that for my daughter mm. coming down the line too so it was it was very easy for me to get involved here because I think Rami kind of had the basis set for me so for me I think after i started getting involved a little bit more and like i i was speaking earlier once i got more independent and you know you th- you start thinking on your own and doing things on your own i think it started happening a few years after that and it kind of had probably different reasons it happened part of it was i started being interested more in assyrian history and reading more books whether written by assyrians or other historians and uh understanding more what what it meant to be assyrian what and who really assyrians are we've all been told you know we all explain assyrians as the same thing you know yes old ancient people christians jesus spoke our language you know basically tell people modern day iraq not syrians as syrians but uh once i delved a little deeper into it and started reading some more details exactly about their accomplishments and and the history of it and the kings and what they accomplished and the good and bads and everything to me it kind of gave me a i, I kind of thought of it of a sense of entitlement as in this is not much different than uh french royalty and or the british royal bloodline and to be part of royalty is that these are my ancestors and at their times they were the British royal family they were the French royal bloodline so at a time my ancestors belonged to this royalty that that I'm reading about basically it it, it was more it was like a, a pride aspect of it a fascination in some sense i just wanted to read more and understand more and then once i would find something out i would always go to my dad i'm like hey did you know this or did you know that and most of the times he did but once again then why why haven't you shared this stuff with me and he would you know we would start debating and no this information's wrong and this information's right and until this day by the way my father and i still debate about this stuff all the time but i think that sense of entitlement gave me more pride and i wanted to get more involved into the community i know that assyrian people are very assyrian community based people we cannot survive in the especially in today's world you know on farms and by and living by ourselves we need to be in big cities and centers where there's a lot of assyrians we need to have a community whether it's a community center or a church or something so because we gravitate towards that it felt like being part of the community and strengthening is just it's not just a a good deed or a favor to to myself but to be to all the assyrians and all the future assyrians and my kids and their grandkids that's the the thinking that i went through to that pushed me to wanting to get more involved and once i got more involved it what there was no stopping because it impacted my life in a huge way other than the fact that i enjoyed it and got some satisfaction from all the things that i was learning I made some great friends that until this day they're all my friends and you know and I'd say 95% of my close circle of friends are friends that I've met through Assyrian causes and community and continue to meet more yours yourself included so the impact of it it kind of started small but until now I'd say it's a huge impact and it's it's played the biggest role into shaping me into who I am today is being Assyrian and part of the Assyrian community has led me to who I am today 
Right. So again, for me, it was just simply the move um, from Germany to Canada, into the community, into Rami being so passionate about this, uh, our friends group being involved already. So it was basically immediately for me, the second I got here and I started meeting these these friends of ours, now great friends of ours, but them being already involved and I started being part of their meetings. Like as they were meeting, I was just sitting, um, sitting along and I had some ideas and I was willing to help. And I was, I was pulled into it like immediately into volunteering for anything they needed. That was back then Aksu, which was Ashur and Dano. And they started right off getting me involved and then as they were moving on to different organizations, I kind of was pulled along mm. into into the new adventures that they had planned. Mm -hmm. So, and from there, little things just snowballed. I asked Rami and Melissa the pros of being involved, and they both said developing and strengthening connections with people and creating opportunities for people in the community to get together and for young ones to grow up in the community. But I also know that saying yes to a commitment usually means saying no to other things. And I thought it was important to hear from their perspective of what has been a challenge in terms of getting involved. Unfortunately, and fortunately, the numbers in diaspora are growing. So it's it, it becomes a little bit easier possibly to strengthen our uh, communities in diaspora because our numbers are growing. Like I said, there's there's positive and negative impact there but also it also means that uh there's also i mean we all live a, a busy life and this now will lead to the obstacles uh we all live a busy life where there's not a lot of time for yourself to do things you know to explore other hobbies and uh, to other likes in life so it's easy for people to move to these countries to diaspora and kind of lose touch with the Assyrian community and kind of be involved on their own. And not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, it's everybody has their sense of uh, how they want to live their life. But the obstacles become that a number of people that are involved in the community is, is a very low number compared to, the, compared to the community. So the obstacles you come across with being involved in this, in the activism, if you want to call it, is is a lack of number of people that are volunteering that are willing to put in the time the major obstacles I, I would say are is 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 managing your time and finding the number of people that are on the same wavelength of of the Assyrian community and the Assyrian cause and how to provide a good community and strengthen the community for ourselves i think if if we had larger numbers of people involved it would definitely make it a little bit easier on everybody. So until we get there, unfortunately, the work has to be done. If this is a, a goal of, of all Assyrians, which it should be, uh, and until we get there, the work has to be done and the battle has to continue. As every other thing, even your job on a regular basis, there is great days to that where you do get together with those uh, friends of yours in those meetings, in those preparations, in the in the last week before any event or anything, it's like on a daily basis. You would see everybody. It just 
it's it's great, but it does take a lot away from your from yourself, from time for your family, from time of anything else that you would like to do or you have to do. It does take and it's really it there is nothing wrong, as Rami already mentioned, there's nothing wrong with being involved in um just participating and supporting these organizations or their events, but being actively involved is just yeah it how do i say it um it just takes away a lot at times something i was curious about that i asked melissa was how does one even get involved in two organizations surely there has to be enough people to take on positions right right but what i heard was rather sobering I couldn't really tell you how I got to that point just because I was, again, I was just trying to support and volunteer as much of my time as I possibly could. And that just kind of rolled into that role of becoming more, becoming an officer or part of the board, becoming the vice president, essentially, and now the president Again, as Rami mentioned earlier, we do have a growing community here, but the people who are willing to actively be involved and donate their time to put in the work, they are unfortunately not growing with the number. So just to be able to keep keep doing what we want to do, to keep achieving the little goals, like we want our Canadian or Hamiltonian community to know who we are as Assyrians, just to keep those things going, which are very important for me, I was more than happy to sacrifice my other hobbies or time spent with my daughter, things like that, to just keep those organizations alive until we have a bigger interest, let's say, just for other people to come along and take over and and help us stay steady. To be honest, it isn't a coincidence that they've been pulled into the community. Both Rami and Melissa bring skill sets with them that they contribute to the community. One additional thing about them that is interesting is homes here in Canada include a basement, which is a lower level. For Rami and Melissa, their basement has essentially become a storage space for all local organizations in the area. And while that may be seen as something small, it also is a sacrifice of their personal space in order to make space for these organizations. However, when asked, they do it happily. So our involvement in many organizations and making things available for these organizations, whether it be space, time, or physical effort, comes from our commitment to the Assyrian cause, to the Assyrian community in diaspora. And that's why it makes it easier for us to do that. It's because we, we're committed to it. We believe in it. We've seen the output of it. We've both benefited from the output of it, and we would like other people to benefit from the output of it. So that's why we are trying to continue this action and make this an opportunity for others to one day possibly have the same experience that we did and we continue to have. And this is why it makes it easier for us to, if there's space available, yeah, sure, what do you... Because at the end of the day, there's a demand for it. If these organizations are going to grow, like it or not, they need a lot of financial assistance. Now, sometimes through grants and loans and from the government, some stuff is there. But there's a lot of little things that organizations would spend a lot of money on that 
if each one of us took a little bit of responsibility and a little bit of extra effort, we can reduce some of those financial burdens and allow these organizations to possibly use those funds for something that strengthens the community rather than pay for a storage place on a monthly basis that that would cost money that could be going towards the community. So so it's it's a kind of little bit of everything. It's commitment, it's demand, it's but it's all it's believing in the community and believing and strengthening the community. Something I asked Rami was, in his opinion, why do we see such lower numbers of men in leadership positions than women? For example, he's the only man in an otherwise majority women-led organization. Not by choice, just simply by coincidence. As a woman, it does make me happy that we've moved past the days where we'd see boardrooms full of only men in our Assyrian organizations. At the same time, Ideally, it would be balanced as the perspective shared and considered should be reflective of the community at large. And surely, we all have and share similar goals of wanting to strengthen our communities, right? He did share some ideas on why that may be, but it's also a question I'd like you as a listener to reflect on as well. So I don't know if it's just the lack of immediate results, short-term results that they see. Their mind is so oriented with maximum effort must see result so once they put in the maximum effort and possibly don't see result you kind of get the well what's the point then yeah. okay then they maybe they take a step back and be like well i'll just i'll just support events when it happens and maybe maybe the, the female side and the anatomy and the thinking is just different in the sense that okay so i've got five things to do I can manage all five of these things and have them all five done and all these five events will all happen and be successful and slowly contribute to the end goal where I think possibly and this I cannot generalize about all men sure. of course sure. and just like can't generalize about all women but it just it just it from personal experience I've seen a lot of my friends are they'll put in 10 times the effort of somebody but they want to see results and if they don't see the results, they're discouraged, they're deflated and frustrated. And that frustration, because of the lack, possibly lack of patience, sometimes that frustration seeps into other aspects of their lives, into work, into possible family stuff, where it becomes now discouraging and it becomes, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to be involved anymore. And another reason uh, might be that a lot of people get involved into in organizations and put in a lot of effort and they just get discouraged because they don't like a specific thing about an organization that they do or the way they do something and rather than somehow you know using communication and trying to amend things and make things better they just tend to, you know what i don't like working with these people and we don't get along rather than me losing them as contacts or companions or friends i'll just keep them as a friend and not have to work together so i'm not sure if those those are but i've personally experienced some of these things and that's that's my thought on possibly the less involvement of males in these higher uh, leadership roles like i said they put in the maximum effort and if they don't see a quick a quick return on their investment it becomes discouraging and you move on to the next. Thanks, Rami and Melissa. Next, I wanted to approach two Assyrians who are considered Gen Z, that is those born between the mid to late 1990s to the early 2010s. 
Growing up, I would always hear those older than me saying, Canna youth, we need youth participation. So I wanted to see what inspired or encouraged Sadgun Yunadam and Marna Hamas to join a local Nusedil festival over the summer. Here's what they had to say. I don't know. I feel like I chose to do it because like I've always loved the Assyrian culture, which obviously it's my culture, and I've always wanted to like embrace it in a way. So I feel like with the Nusedil festival, I definitely I feel like I got the opportunity to like give something to the Assyrian community, you know what I mean? Bring everyone together as one, all the friends that I made and the memories along the journey. I definitely feel like it's something that made me want to push myself to do more than what I've already done. So it basically started during quarantine. I wanted to look more into my ethnicity and like my roots, how my people were, because there's not much about us. You have to dig deep to find that. And it was kind of last minute, like Sargon sent me a message and he's like, hey, do you want to like sign up for this? I'm like 100%. Like we both always love listening to our music, talking about our ethnicity, our religion and everything. And like, I think it was just a really good opportunity to get in touch with our roots. And obviously you guys helped us with that as well. Yeah, I was going to say, what did, what did you gain from the experience? Honestly. It was very, very fun, in my opinion. Did you feel like either of you gained any skills from the experience? Honestly, yeah. I feel like I did because before joining the group for Nisardal and everything, I feel like I wasn't always, well, I was always open to doing these types of things. But I feel like now that I pushed myself to do it even more than how I used to think, like I pushed myself to do it. And I feel like I just gained comfort zone with my people, like the Assyrians, because I feel like I didn't always have that. So by doing all that, like I got to meet new people, meet more of my people. So I think I gained like a lot of communication skills, even with people that I don't know. Yeah, honestly, just to see how it was set up, all the preparation it took, like the meetings we had before the actual event people to get in contact with stuff like that and that it was just deeper than the day itself and how passionate all of us were to actually get the message through like we seen it through instagram actually and it's cool to think like you know oh random people posted this on instagram let's go see what's up with that and then like now i feel like I have a bond with you guys and if I have questions about my roots or like anything else after Nusedda is very interesting to me. Like it, it's helpful. It's helpful to have people that can speak Assyrian as well as English and aren't just like our parents and the older generation that can actually answer the questions we do have that always went unanswered. To add on to Myrna, I 100% agree because I think it's always good like because me I'm 18 right so I think it's always good to have people like you guys of the Bitnahara and like people that are older than us that know more obviously about our people I feel like it's just amazing to have those type of people around you and it's so crazy how like you can meet someone so randomly and it becomes something amazing like better than what you expected I also asked Sargo and Myrna their thoughts on why we typically see lower participation of younger people in our Assyrian organizations. And they said things like people their age tend to care a lot about what others think, which may make them reluctant to join, being caught up in social media, 
and not really having a surrounding that encourages them to participate in Assyrian things. But I couldn't help but also wonder, would they have gotten involved if the other didn't? And is that an important factor in taking that first step? I'll be completely honest with you. It does motivate you to want to do it like even more, like to bring a friend with you or to bring a cousin with you, which I think goes for anything in general. Like if I'm doing something, like I'd rather do it with someone in that sense. I was going to do it regardless, but I thought why not message her to get more people involved? So that's why I'm, and she's like the only like family friend, I guess you could say, who I know likes to get involved just as much as I do and has as much interest as I do as a teenager, like now living in 2022, you know, because you don't really see that that often. Um, Honestly, Sargun and I both are always talking about being a Syrian. That is like our main personality trait. So neither of us would have said no at any point. Neither of us would not disagree. We both love being involved. And we both always speak about how we wish our age group was more involved as well. So when we saw that opportunity, we kind of ran with it. And that is a very good decision that we both made because we learned a lot. And now like we're excited for upcoming events with you guys and all that sort of stuff. So I personally found out about it through Sergon. So I probably would end up doing it if it was just me. But I was happy to have another person there that I knew just because it made it more like comfortable. Oh, 100%. And we walked in, like, we got the address sent to us where to meet you guys to help out with Nisardo. Me and Myrna were like, oh, it's probably like a like community center or something. We go, it's a house. We're like, oh, um, we're walking in a house. Like, we don't even know who this is. <laughs> I'm like, okay, um, do we go? And this one starts hesitating. She's like, I don't know. Like, I think we should just leave. And that's where I was like, okay, you know what? Like, let's just try it out. Like, what if it works? And then we knock on the door. We're like, we don't see an Assyrian flag or anything. Like, we got scared. I said, I don't see any sign of Assyrians. Let's leave. (laughs) Yeah, we see nothing. So we're like, okay, let's just knock, get it over with. We knock. And honestly, that was the beginning of something new. And I'm really grateful for it because I feel like those, like, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, me as well. They were such a blast to have and their perspectives were really important and valuable in how we were going to think about the event. It connects back to what I mentioned earlier in terms of representation and organizations. That has to do with age two. Young people offer new, different, and refreshing perspectives. I know a lot of organizations struggle with youth retention, but in general, when people feel like they're of value and can make a difference, they'll join. I remember when I was 18, I joined a local Assyrian organization in San Jose with the nudge of some of my peers. I was probably the youngest one, but it was so cool to be surrounded by these other Assyrians who were passionate about wanting to make a change in the Assyrian community, many of whom I probably wouldn't have developed a close relationship with otherwise because we went to different churches and they were older than me, so we had different groups of friends. That experience expanded my understanding of what it meant to be Assyrian. I also learned so many beneficial life skills through my participation that carried with me in my career and into other Assyrian organizations. The idea of gaining experience through involvement in organizations, but also using skills you've already developed and are good at to contribute to organizations is something worth considering when thinking about where to begin in giving back to the community. 
Someone who I think has done a really good job with this is Shamiron Khoshaba, a current student at Laurier University, who doesn't necessarily have an official position with an Assyrian organization, but helps out organizations behind the scenes using a skill set she's honed in on. I picked up graphic design when I was really young, when I was 12. I would sneak into my brother's room and go on his computer because he had Photoshop installed. And I would kind of just play around with that. So it was never something that I promoted or like like people knew I did. But after I got hired as an event coordinator for Bitnahed and Assyrian Heritage Center in Hamilton, on that first day that I was there, they just happened to need someone who knew how to do graphic design and i said that i didn't know how to do it and it kind of just started from there it was there was a lot of pressure because it was never something i was confident in it was kind of like a little secret of mine like i knew how to do this but i'm not confident in it i'll play around and like i'll experiment with stuff but it was never something that i was very like okay, this is my thing. I know how to do it. I'm going to go promote myself as someone that knows how to do it. It never started off as something like that. It was kind of just, they bit in the head and just happened to meet someone. And that experience definitely boosted my confidence in what I do and in that hobby. And it allowed me to experiment with different techniques and different programs. And yeah, that's kind of how it started. (laughs) So from Bitnahrin, I started working with the Syrian Chamber of Commerce of Hamilton. And with that is where I think my skill excelled the most because I had complete control and like freedom to show and express my taste in graphic design the most. So with the Chamber of Commerce, it was just me and Ashla kind of working on it. I definitely had a big say in how I wanted the designs to look and what was my opinion on how we how it would attract people so i think with that experience it definitely boosted my confidence it definitely gave me the ability to express i don't want to say professional but my professional opinion in in that side of things so that experience was definitely the one that solidified that like okay i am the designer and the these are my designs like it it definitely gave me the confidence to express that i am a graphic designer i can do this so although it started as paid positions it turned into a part of me and it was like even when the pay payments were done it it didn't feel right to just leave the job which is why i continued as a volunteer for all these organizations and um, it definitely became a part of who i am so I think that's the major outtake of all of this. It's like, even though it was, it it just happened to start in a way where it was not intentional, it, it shaped who I am today, which is why I continued on volunteering for those organizations. I asked Shemi what the time commitment was like and if she ever felt like it was labor intensive. With the volunteering specifically, it was never something that, would stress me out it was ultimately something that i enjoyed doing and it was like i said it was flexible even if i had many things going on i was still able to fit that because it wasn't very time consuming it wasn't like i had a heavy commitment to it it was like okay when you need me i'm here when you don't need me i'm still here like i'm a message away it was never anything like i was completely tied to and it required a lot of commitment and i think that's what makes it more attractive ultimately because as a student there's many things going on so the more i can volunteer in a way where it's not a strict schedule or a strict 
commitment, the more I am able to do it. I asked her if graphic design skills play a role in what she wants to do in the future. Yes, graphic design definitely is is a skill set. It's a skill set. And I think we live in a day and age where technology is such a major part of our lives. And with every career, marketing and advertising is necessary. And as humans, we're aesthetic creatures. Like we, when we see something that's visually appealing, we're more intrigued to know what it is and be involved in it. So I think no matter what the career path is, it's like graphic design is kind of necessary. And it definitely shaped my career path in not only school-wise, but also like side hustles. Like it's definitely an entrepreneurship skill and quality to have and with graphic design specifically i did open a graphic design company if you will and it's called meraki designs m-e-r-a-k-i designs so the word meraki means when you create something it is a representation of you so it's like you are the designer and this is your design it's it's involving yourself and a piece of yourself and everything that you create it's kind of like your fingerprint on these designs that you're making. So that's what the word Meraki means. And I think it was just very fit for a graphic design company. Shemi is also an eyelash technician and educator and produces her own eyelashes through her business, kissmylash.ca. And her graphic design skills help with creating her branding. She is a total go-getter and I appreciate that she takes what she's good at and contributes it to Assyrian efforts where and when she can. Now hear me out. I mentioned in the beginning how many of us are busy, right? I've always believed in this philosophy and the best ways that we can give back. If you have more time than money, donate your time. If you have more money than time, donate your money. If you have both, give both. If you have neither, share outposts and make events and initiatives known to people who may not know or hear about those events otherwise. The next guest is somebody who wished to remain anonymous. He has given to so many local initiatives here, sometimes with asks and other times with him initiating. It has blown my mind how generous he has been and how his financial support has meant organizations can worry less about covering costs and more about putting on initiatives that benefit the community. I wanted to understand why he has chosen to contribute to society by giving financially. That's kind of person I am. I donate to everybody, not only the Assyrian community, but the Assyrian organization. Like I donate to our hospital here regularly, yearly, all the time. So that's my nature. The second thing, like why? Because I see, like I always encourage young Assyrian people to take charge, to do, to start doing things. Like I know we've been left for so long, and so many different or wrong people are in the, in the decision making, and we have to replace that. So I always encourage young organization and the Syrian organization to do whatever it takes to make life better. Whatever you do in Hamilton or Toronto or anywhere else, I'm not going to benefit from. I am like almost 50 kilometers away. But as long as somebody in the Syrian community is going to benefit, I'm, I'm okay with it. That makes me happy. Like what I donate is not cutting from my family. When I have that extra money, I can donate it. I can donate it. It's not going to affect my family. And like I said, that's my nature. I love to help. And I always believe like when you help, there's somebody above there watching you. He can help you back. I admire his ability to see and understand people's hard work and effort. And in his case, 
He definitely doesn't have the time to offer, but he does have the means to give back financially, and that in itself is a form of giving back. If you ask me about my childhood, I'd tell you that I had the best childhood growing up. A part of what made it so great was a combination of Assyrians in the community who saw a need to put together programs for us young ones to engage and get to know one another, and it was often through sports, but also through picnics and parties and Assyrian dance lessons and more. But I couldn't just go to them or know about them on my own. It was my parents who brought us out to those events and enrolled us in those programs. It meant that from a young age, I was surrounded by Assyrians every Friday night through Assyrian language school, Saturdays and Sundays through sports tournaments from basketball to soccer, and Sundays church mass. These would happen every week. Was I athletic? No. Did I have fun because I was around people my age? Yes. And they just so happened to be Assyrian. And I made some of the best friends in the process who are still my friends to this day. Now, for as far back as I can recall, there has always been someone whose face would be familiar who I associated with Assyrian initiatives, and that is Rochelle Youssefian. Rochelle was born in Iran and initially immigrated to Toronto, Canada, and then San Jose, California in the United States. You can say that we switched spots. (laughs) Ever since the move to San Jose until now, She has played various roles in the local Assyrian American Association, otherwise known as Shotaputa. So I thought who more fitting to ask the questions around what it means to be a contributing member of the Assyrian community than someone who I've associated that with all of my life. Rochelle recently completed her presidency term with Shotaputa and thought it was the perfect time to reach out. How I feel, it's a, it's a very, uh, a lot of mixed emotions. Um, as I was preparing my report for the general body for end of term, going through all the correspondence, all the activities, all the flyers, all the pictures, there was a lot of mixed emotions, a lot of happy times that passed. It's, it's, it, is, it is exactly the feeling of when a parent are giving their child <laughs> Hands uh, in merit. For me, Shotaputa has become like my child. It's been 17, almost 17 years now that I have been engaged with this Shotaputa. So it's uh, that kind of a mixed emotion. Happy and at the same time missing all the good days uh, and all the great people that I have worked with. So yeah, it's a lot of mixed emotion, but it's all good. I, I promise you it's all good. Because um, I, I see that through this, this journey, a lot of people were empowered. A lot of young children grew up in an environment that offered them, offered them the Assyrian culture and, and uh, growth opportunity in that environment. And um, got to know a lot of people, um, became friends with a lot of people. Sometimes um, some some people might have considered me as enemy, I don't know, but it was overall a a very um, positive experience for me. Challenging, but very positive experience. And um, I'm happy that um, I'm leaving Shotaputa in in great hands. That was the biggest uh, emotional turmoil that I had, that what will happen to the future of Shotaputa if we will have 
a good leadership to come aboard. Something I was curious about was where her passion for Assyrian activism began. Well, thank you for giving me this opportunity to bring another, uh, the name of another great person who is no longer among us. He actually departed this world at a very young age of 24, but he has been uh, the greatest inspiration for me, aside from, from my family, my parents, my mother and father, which each one of them empowered me in different ways to uh, be involved, be more untenet, and be more Christian. But the person that really encouraged me and empowered me to get involved with the Assyrian organization was a neighbor that I had. His name is Nino Sialda. And uh, this young man was involved then with Mutfa. And I was a child. I was seven years old. Uh, he was a teenager then. And he was involved with Mutfa Autoride uh, Urmia, Assyrian Council in Urmia. Uh, it was a large group of young people, young Assy activist Assyrian people, which a lot of them have um, great leaderships within our community now. One of them actually, Yodik Lazar, was on my board. I had the privilege of working with him as, as my board member, and later he became an um, ad advisor for the show Taputa. But many great people were in, in that group, and Nino Sialda was one of them. And the encouragement that I got from him was in that young age where I could not uh, read and write, for I did not know all the alphabets yet, I would uh, struggle to learn the Assyrian language and kind of self-thought, and I would come to him and uh, tell him to replace the missing alphabets that I could not read them. You know, I, I, when I look at the text, I could not make any sense out of them because I did not know what they are. Uh, so he would just teach me. And I would just, you know, by exchanging with him, I gradually grew up to read and then start even translating. If there were any songs that I liked, and I always liked to a lot of, you know, musical songs. So any songs that I liked in, liked in Farsi, I would come and translate them in Assyrian. And gladly I would take them to him as a, you know, oh, Ninus, how do you see this translation? And he would guide me patiently. He would sit, spend time with me and correct my mistakes and teach me new words. So that kind of engagement with a role model, a younger person, a teenager for a child, I think it means a lot. It leaves a footprint in their life for, for years. As you can see now, it still affects me knowing how much this person affected my life. And the fact that he was engaged with Mutva, like when he would go and they had a, a choir within Mutva for programs, you know, um, theater, they had plays and they had singing groups. And he, he would encourage me, why don't you come and sing in our group? And they were all adult people, you know, young adult people. And he encouraged me. I actually got some of my friends together. Uh, I was seven years old and I remember that vividly, got a bunch of my friends together and we went backstage and I started, you know, talking to these young guys that, oh, Ninos told me to come here, we can sing with you. And they were all looking at me and laughing. Hey, what are you doing here, here, you little girl? You know, this is a group of uh, older people singing. And I was like, no, he told me we can come here and sing with you guys. So even though we had absolutely no practice with this 
a young teenage group, but they were open. He came, Ninus came along and said, it's okay, I told them to come. She knows the song, she learned the song, and I thought all, all, taught all my other friends the song. So we came and we stood, um, I, I should look for that picture. I, I still have that picture. We are standing in front of these people that are um, twice as our heights and we're singing and together with them. The fact that he empowered me that it's okay to come voice yourself that you want to be there and and allowing us to step on the stage with them i think these are uh, even uh, symbolically great um, signs for for how i i became motivated to get involved and how uh, uh, we should get other people motivated to get involved back was mutfidaturaid urmi that was at the syrian council in urmia so uh, since then, I started getting involved, with, and after a while, this this uh, group kind of uh, fell apart because of the revolution in Iran. Then I became more engaged with the church. So I was more with the church and the choir and the plays. For for a while, there was absolutely no activity um, at in the national level, uh, on Taneta level, and, and, and patriotism within Mutve in uh, in Ormia. So I got involved with the church, and yeah, and all these years, people ask me which church you belong to, which church you go to, and I try to uh, steer away from that question because as an Umtaneta and as a Christian person, I think I belong to all the churches, but the church that I went to, because we were going to the Assyrian school that was uh, under the uh, Assyrian Catholic Church in Urmia, so um, I was also part of the choir then, but there, but as I would finish there, I would come out and go to uh, Assyrian Church of the East and also participate in the church services there. A lot of my friends were uh, with the Church of the East, and we had actually some plays with the Church of the East too. So my engagement, the way that our parents and I community and our community helped us grow up in Urmia, there was no separation of the churches. We were fluid to go to whichever church we wanted to be uh, to go to and, and participate in them. Mm -hmm. And when Jesus in all is in all these churches, I think I'm I'm welcomed to be <laughs> in all of them as well. Um, I went to um, university in Urmi. I was constantly approaching the council members, the student council members, that uh, we need you to get an activity started for the youth, and I can bring the youth together to have this engagement with the mutfa. And finally, um, in my first year, towards end of my first year in university, uh, I got the green light from the Assyrian Council of uh, Urmia that we can bring uh, a group of youth on board. The first thought was to bring university students on board. So first I asked my uh, classmates and all the people in my university to get together at Mutva and, and start uh, having a meeting to uh, bring invite all the other young people. And within the first and second meeting, we decided that let's expand this to uh, all the Assyrian young people in Urmia, not just the university students. And uh, through that, then uh, we started a a very uh, successful and very active young organ young uh, um, group within uh, Assyrian Council of Ormia, which for many years it had great programmings and it helped the Mutva in Ormia for more engage engagement with the with the younger generations. That deepened my 
passion for working for my Mutfan and, and got me to grow up more and have more experience, hands-on experience as in role of in leadership role, as, as I was a leader for that uh, young group. My serious activism started after Urmi, I would say, in, in California. I got married, I came to California, and a couple times before that, I attended the convention here in San Jose, and I liked the the vibe, all the energy that was here, all the invo involvement. So um, I, I thought, oh, that would be a great ground for me to get engaged and get involved. And uh, just as I came, I got in contact with, um, back then, uh, uh, Jackie Bejan, she was no, no longer a president, but she was on board as the advisor. So um, I asked if I could get involved with Mutfa, which I, I saw Shotaputa always as a Mutfa. In my mind, mm -hmm. uh, these organizations are basically a representation of the Assyrian people, regardless of their denominational, uh, religious denomination. So uh, and I saw Shotaputa as a mutfa, and I, I told her that I'm ready and willing to um, take part and uh, be engaged um, whenever she has time to let me know. And I didn't hear much until three years passed, and then um, I was actually at the church. I used to go to the church, again, Catholic church, singing in the choir, and Rabbi Nebu was there. And uh, the first time I went there, I heard Rabbi Nebu talking, and for me, Maestro Nebu Isabe. For me, uh, Maestro Nebu Isabe was in the book, you know, in Urmia we used to sing his songs uh, and we felt the patriotism through his, uh, through his music and the lyrics of his music. And to me, it was like some, he was someone in the history, in the pages of the history that is not alive. Mm -hmm. And when I first heard him, heard him at the church speaking behind the podium, inviting people to come and join his choir, I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe this man is alive and he's inviting us to be part of his choir. So I approached him and it was a great uh, exchange between us. He had to, of course, knowing Rabbi Nebu, he had to test my voice. He was very serious about music. He had to test my voice and my ear uh, and approve me. And uh, that was a great pr privilege to be approved by him and sing in his choir. Uh, while I was in his choir, I was speaking with another friend of mine, which from Urmi, I know her, Fabiola Mado. Um, I was speaking with her, you know, about my, uh, Urmi and everything, all the things we did there. And she told me that, Rochelle, why don't you get involved with the association here? And I was like, yeah, but I don't know people other than Jackie. Mm -hmm. So it kind of knowing right people was what would get you through the door. She spoke with Mr. George Zaya. Mr. George Zaya spoke with Arbella Babai, which you know her very well. And I, there was a picnic for Naserda, and I went to the picnic, and um, I was approached by Ar Arbella that I heard what you've done in Urmia, and, and uh, I heard what you've done in, in Canada as far as doing the TV. We actually need someone to um, help with our author TV program. Uh, we'd like you to come on board. And uh, that was just that open, the door opened for me. Mm -hmm. So I, I came uh, for a while. I was doing the author TV about six months that I started doing the author TV. There was an election coming up. And uh, then again, I was encouraged by Arbella. She pushed me. She actually made me raise my hand um, for the um, election. 
and uh, then there was an election and I became the secretary of Shotaputa for five years after that I became vice president then I became the president and that was the journey for for how it started and how it evolved into getting the leadership role again this time from young organization to a fully matured organization a question i had for rochelle was to put it bluntly why should people care to get involved let me ask you a question first do you want your daughter your children to grow up in an assyrian environment to have that opportunity to experience the Assyrian culture, Assyrian history, Assyrian tradition, Assyrian dances, plays, or be an environment that would enrich their Assyrianism? Do you want that environment for your children? So that's that's why I think we should get involved. We are a self-reliant nation. We don't have any backing from any government for the past 2000 years, we survived just by being independent and supporting each other. We had no government, we had no financial backing to support us as a nation, but we survived and we sur survived for a good reason. I may say something that for a lot of people, it might not mean anything, but for me, patriotically, it means something to be the voice of those martyrs that lost their lives because they wanted to stay Assyrian. They wanted to keep the Assyrian and their faith alive. So we owe it to them to raise their voice to keep this nation alive. We owe it to all those people that kept this nation and carried on the torch generation after generation for the past 2000 years, despite all the atrocities, all the genocides committed against our nation. They carry down the torch for us today to call ourselves Assyrian and for us today to take pride when they recognize us as a live nation. Remember, 30, 40 years ago, they did not even acknowledge us as a live nation. I remember when I first came to Canada, I went to the library and I was excited to see so many books about Assyrian history. It was just, I was in heaven because we had not, we did not have that kind of access to the records about Assyrians in Iran. So when I, I, I was reading one day uh, these, these books in the library, I saw somebody else next to me start, was also reading about Assyrians. And I, I started conver conversing with that person. I said, why are you reading about Assyrians? It was interesting to me that a non-Assyrian is reading. And then she said, well, that's what I'm studying in the university. She was studying Assyriology. She told me, why are you reading? And I said, well, because I'm Assyrian. She said, no, Assyrians are dead. There are no Assyrians alive. That's how the uh, the scholars thought about us as a as a dead nation. We were not alive. It was a huge accomplishment, turn of the game, kind of. When British Museum in their exhibition, they had Ashurbanipal exhibition, Ashurbanipal, King of Assyria, King of the World. They actually, for the first time ever, acknowledged Assyrians as a live nation. Mm -hmm. So for a nation that was dead in all these scholars mind in all these historians mind in all the politics of the world it was scratched as a dead nation we owe it to this to our ancestors to keep 
this nation's causes alive and going and raise their voice now that there is an opportunity for us. We did not have that opportunity to work on Assyrian causes when we lived in Medincha. There was a lot of oppression there, even in the modern countries today, there's still a lot of oppression on Assyrians to maintain their causes. But in Western world, we have more opportunities. So we are more obligated, one, to make sure that our nation is alive, its history is recognized at, as, as, as a live nation, not just a nation that's dead and is no longer alive, because that's scary. Once they put us in that position that uh, we are not alive, there are a lot, of, a lot of other nations on the ground that are trying to take that position. So we owe it to our ancestors to say, no, we are alive, and we care about why they departed this world and we like to keep that cause alive, bring more awareness on the Assyrian genocides and bring more awareness on Assyrian her heritage and history. So again, going back as a self-reliant nation with no government backings, we have to help each other. We have to empower each other and being engaged and involved with the Assyrian organizations is is one way of doing that we are a nation i would say like indigenous people in transient even um, for the past two years even our people in the their homeland their homeland is iraq their homeland is urmia their homeland is in in turkey we are people mm -hmm. indigenous people of those lands but even in our own lands we were in transient we are a displaced and unrooted nation now and we can only rely on ourselves. And reliant on ourselves means that financial backing to each other and more so moral support and backing to each other and getting engaged and getting involved. Again, as I brought it up at the beginning, you want your children to grow up knowing they are Assyrian, be proud of their Assyrianism. That was one of the big struggles for me because uh, for a nation to stay alive for, alive, for young people, I think, to get connected to their roots, they need to have a pride, that sense of pride. I had that sense of pride because I'm coming from that upra, from that land that had me connected to it. But you were born here, Adessa, right? And, and out of that land. You were born in the U.S. Mm -hmm. A lot of our younger generation are born in U.S., in Canada, in Europe. Europe not connected to that that ground to that land, whether it be Iraq or Iran or Syria or Turkey, they don't have that attachment other than their pride. And for them to have that pride, we need to make sure the world knows us as a live nation so we can take pride in our history. Don't let our history and our heritage go be known as the heritage of the people that are have government in that land now. We are the indigenous people of that land, and we need to make sure the world recognizes that. And that's all on the shoulder of the younger generation to get engaged, get involved, get educated. But whatever they're doing in any work environment that they have, they make sure people around them start knowing about Assyrians mm -hmm. and, and raise Assyrian awareness in any, any aspect of their lives. Woo. Those were some heavy points made and a lot that we can reflect on. I want to take this as an opportunity to thank Rochelle and others in my life who have always encouraged and believed in me. When they say it takes a village, it does. 
without my parents' efforts to introduce my siblings and I to so much, without people in the community who sacrifice other parts of their lives to create opportunities for us kids to grow close to one another and create forever memories, and without the people who empowered me to understand my unique traits that I bring to the Assyrian community, I wouldn't be who I am today. If you already take a role in your community, thank you. And may your efforts only continue to enrich the community. If you want to contribute to your community but don't know where to begin, I hope this interview helped provide you with some direction. What I what I would like them to do is 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 to be involved, is to understand what it means to be a Syrian and to have the pride in it and to find out what organizations you have locally, what services do they offer, get involved in volunteering, get involved in, I mean, event, I mean that's, the, that's the beginning, because that will lead to getting more involved into the everyday runnings of these organizations, uh, knowing your strengths and weaknesses, find out how you can help these Assyrian organizations with your strengths, help, you know, help strengthen their strengths and improve their weaknesses, because your strengths could be uh, used for these organizations to strengthen the community, whatever your strengths may be. These organizations have a lot of needs. You know, if your strengths are merely uh, financial and you are a very well-off person that doesn't have the time for it, well, guess what? These organizations would love your help. If If your strengths are not financial, however, you have some time, to dedicate to these organizations, your organizations can use you. If your strengths are a specific technical skill that you, a professional skill, whether it's designing a website or a flyer or helping uh, uh, decorate uh, an event for for the community, then you are then you're in massive need. Having said all of that, that's what that's uh, and 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 one thing I'm I I almost forgot to mention is support your local Assyrian. Uh, businesses the vendors a strong community isn't just uh, about parties and uh and events and organizations a strong community comes from just a strong base so everybody has a role this message is for everybody in the community and this message also goes out to all the organizations as well if you are a member of an organization if you're an organization if you're a leader of an organization i think your community should challenge you they should challenge you to provide a platform where their strengths can be capitalized on, where it can be used, where their talents. If I can design websites, uh, I expect my community to put my expertise to use, to 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 give me the platform where I can showcase my strength. So there's an onus on the organizations as well. It's not just to be involved and have a party and and we're done. See you next year. Is to on an ongoing basis, improve. You have demands of people joining and and helping out. Well, there's also a demand on you to provide a platform for these people to help and join. So it's a challenge both both ways. It's a challenge for people to get involved, and it's a challenge for every organization to allow these people to give them a, a platform where they can utilize all these strengths. Other than that, it's very important to um, 
not only know that you're Assyrian as in the name, I'm Assyrian, I've heard I'm Assyrian, I'm one of the ancient people. I, it's important to know really what it means to be Assyrian. Learn your history. As I mentioned earlier, it's, it's a never-ending streak of learning. There's always something to learn about our history, about our traditions, about our cultures. You got to learn it well. You got to learn it enough to be able to tell your friends, your family, your, to teach your children, to teach your co-workers who are not Assyrian. That is how we keep it alive. Not only learn our language, speak it, learn to read it, learn to write it, be involved. And that part Rami already mentioned, it is a big help to be involved, to support the community, to support the Assyrian businesses, the organizations, and the rest will come. As long as you know who you are, who you really are as Assyrian, your history, your traditions, and just be proud of it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'd love your feedback on this episode's structure and in general always appreciate when you interact with us. Thank you for helping us grow and see you next week.